You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly. You're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report broadcast live from the Internet Law Center here in the heart of Silicon Beach here in Santa Monica. Um, please be seated. we got a great show for you today, and we're going to be talking about the state of the Internet. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Acoma quarterly report on the state of the Internet. gives you a, a, a precise snapshot of where we are and certain key indicia of the Internet in terms of both um, your security issues as well as broadband speed. And um, I always look to see who's the new champ in terms of the fastest internet, uh, both globally and within the U.S. And um, the second half hour, we're going to cover some news updates. It looks like we got another company that's decided to do, um, or at least has admitted that it was engaging in experimentation with its users. And um, and so is OKCupid okay, okay um, in light of their disclosures? So we're going to talk about that in the second half hour. A um, couple of just announcements. Um, today's actually the birthday of Baltimore. It was founded today, um, a great city, and if any of you had to, been there, it's uh, beautiful in our harbor, a great ballpark, and um, and so they're celebrating style this year because their O's are in first place in the American League East. Um, and in addition, the president just had an announcement where he mentioned that um, cynicism you know, how the problem of it and cynicism you know, didn't get us to the moon. Cynicism's never really done anything great. And um, and so it looks like Stephen Colbert has responded and said, that's correct. It was sarcasm that did all that. And uh, I just made <laughs> I just made that up. Stephen, if you want to use that one, go ahead. But um, we're, we're great to have – we're pleased to have a return guest. And as I mentioned, I'm a huge fan of the Acoma Report. Um, and um, one of our first shows when we started off is um, on this topic. And so um, we, um, we're glad to have back um, here from Cambridge, Mass., um, which unfortunately their hometown team is not in first. Um, David Belson, he's a senior director of industry and data intelligence at Acoma Technologies. He's been there about 15 years and a return guest to Cyberlaw Business Report. Welcome back. Thank you very much. Yeah, we will, uh, we'll avoid the Red Sox discussion today. <laughs> 
we actually had um, we had Doris Kearns Goodwin on last year, um, just after they won, and and this was about two weeks two weeks after the victory, and she was still dancing on air. You could just tell over the radio just how ecstatic she was. But um, anyway, now to more somber topics. Um, so um, your your quarterly um, State of the Internet report came out, and for and you're covering so far the first quarter of 2014. How how old is this report? Um, you've been doing this for a long time. So this is the um, this will be the seventh full year that we're doing the report. We started in 2008. And um, what is I mean? How has the reception to the report? Um, evolved and, and and what and um, is Akama? I guess I'm, I'm assuming you keep doing this. So you must be pleased with the response. We are, yeah. It, it's you know, it was designed initially to be something of a thought leadership piece. Um, you know, it was a hey, we've got some some really good data, you know, hiding in in the company, and let's share it with the community, and um, you know, just kind of show people how smart we are. And uh, it, it really took off from there. Uh, it really. Um, you know, has become a, a de facto um, reference in many cases for uh, people in the broadband industry. Um, right. It's referenced a lot in uh, news articles. Uh, you know, there, there'll, be, there'll be a news article about whether it's country level or network level, uh, where there's, you know, this, this country's put a, a goal in place to have, uh, you know, uh, broadband connectivity of, of X megabits a second by Y date. And inevitably, somewhere in the article, they'll cite uh, you know the latest statistics from the report. Um, we've had um, uh, we, we, we've contributed data to the the national broadband report that was done in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, inevitably, every quarter after we publish the report, I'll get uh, emails from um, some some you know quote unquote old friends uh, that, that I you know give data to regularly, and then inevitably some new folks uh, asking about either their specific network or hey, I'm involved with the the efforts in. Country X, and would love to know more about how we match up, or how we've grown over time, or um, you know, in may, trying to make the point that either a we, we you know our investments are paying off, or b we need to invest more. And um, yeah, in terms of the, the reports, I mean, the only thing that comes close to what you guys do, OECD, you know, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, I think they do an annual report on broadband, but it's usually a couple of years tr- tracking. You know, uh, lagging, I should say, and so it, you know, if they came out report now, it would be through data would be through 2012 or 2013. So your, yeah. yours is the only thing close to that, and it's current. It is. I mean, it even you know, we're trying to close the gap. Uh, you know, we, we historically, over the last several years, we're running um, basically four months behind the end of the quarter, um, so that the Q1 report would have come out in uh, uh, July, basically like. Basically yesterday or today. Yeah. Uh, but but we were able with the Q1 report basically able to pull it back into the the following quarter. Um, so that's that's good. So now we're just three months uh, delay, and I'm trying to get plans in place uh, to um, basically pull it back in another month. So our, our goal ultimately is we we acquired a company called Prolexic uh, earlier this year, and Prolexic produces a great report, a great quarterly report that covers um, denial of service attacks and provides insight into what they see there. And um, they publish the quarterly, they publish each quarterly report uh, within a month following the end of the quarter. Wow. Uh, so our, our goal ultimately is to create a sort of a one-two punch cadence so that, you know, the first month after the quarter, you get the Prolexic DDoS report. And the second month after the end of the quarter, you get the, the um, uh, 
the state of the internet uh, connectivity report. So, you know, since you, you are so wed to this report, um, before we go into the, the, the usual type of questions, what is the one tidbit of this report that you think is the most interesting or that you, you like the most or that hasn't been discussed? I think it's, I think it's you know, some of the new content that we, we've been able to add. Um, you know, I think everybody's really interested in the, the connectivity data. Everybody's really interested in the security and attack data. Um, but I think that, you know, I've, I've been a long time evangelist for IPv6. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're starting to include more native data on that. Um, we're also starting to, to pull in some more data from our um, real user monitoring uh, solution, which provides some, some insight into actual performance that users are seeing uh, for, different, for, for different types of platforms and different types of networks. So um, for, the, for listeners who are unfamiliar, IPv6 would be? Sorry. So um, normally oh, no, when you go uh, to a website today or anywhere on the internet, every, every, every host on the internet has what's called an IP address. Think of it right. as almost an analog to a phone number, if you will. Um, and this is what's called a dotted quad. It's made up of, of four numbers uh, that range between 0 and 255. So ultimately, uh, when they um, you know, started uh, building the Internet uh, you know, or putting together you know, the nurses behind the Internet in, in you know, the, the late 70s, early 80s, um, you know, Vince Cerf will, you know, if you, if, you, if you listen to some of the stuff he's talked about, they said, hey, this is, you know, it's an experiment, you know, whatever. And, you know, <laughs> four billion addresses should be enough. Uh, you know, they, at that time they were figuring that, yeah, you know, that should be good. Um, I think what they didn't foresee 30 years ago was the growth in A, the number of users, and B, the number of things connected. Um, so the experiment kind of got a little out of control and <laughs> never really ended. Uh, so, so about 20 years ago, though, they realized that this was going to be an issue and that we were going to run out of space someday. Uh, and there's a whole, we could do a whole hour on, on the, you know, the, the problems of address assignment and so on. But anyway, so they, they developed what was called IPNG, uh, Next Generation, which ultimately became IP version 6. Um, so what happened to IP version 5? I think there was some sort of, you know, experimental stuff they were doing and they realized this was not going to work and so the next version was 6. Um, so so you're measuring six, the, the adoption of it. I'm sorry? You're measuring the adoption of that version. Of, of IP version 6, yeah. So, so IP version 6 now provides the ability to connect or to have uh, 340 trillion, trillion, trillion uh, unique addresses on the network. So you know, everybody's figuring that this should, this should easily handle the growth of the Internet of Things and the growth of Internet users and so on. Uh, but it's been... It's, adoption has been slow uh, over over time um, for a variety of reasons, but I think we're, we're starting to see it pick up both um, on end-user networks uh, as well as within um, uh, enterprise networks. Good. So, um, and the adoption, the adoption rate is picking up. What what what, mm-hmm. what what is it generally? Well, so it depends on where you're looking. So I think overall. Um, what are our statistics say? Uh, what we're, the traffic that we're seeing um, from countries around the world, so Belgium had the, the highest level of, of uh, traffic over IPv6 to Akamai last quarter, um, with 14% of the requests coming in over V6. Um, you know, it ranges all the way down to, you know, close to zero. Um, Europe has a particular, interestingly, Europe, European countries, I should say, um, 
have a particularly high uh, IPv6 adoption rate as compared to the rest mm-hmm. of the world. And, and the reason I, I find it interesting is because the um, available pool of IPv4 addresses, so, so the um, basically the available pool first ran out in the Asia-Pacific region. Um, so normally, you, you, given that, you'd sort of expect uh, to see um, the Asia-Pacific countries adopting it more aggressively, but they, they haven't been. Um, okay. So um, let's go to the, the, the headlines of the report. And uh, so there, there is a bright spot for the U.S. in that you know, we're number two on one list. And uh, unfortunately, it's the threats list. Um, mm-hmm. So it's China, U.S., and then Indonesia there. Um, what, what does this quarter say? Tell us about the threats. Um, they, they vary from quarter to quarter. Um, I mean, interestingly, uh, you know, sneak preview, the United States jumped to number one in the second quarter. Um, so <laughs> it really, you know, <laughs> I'm sure everybody would be thrilled about that. Um, it it it, de- it depends a lot on, I think, what on a number of things. One is, um, you know, we, we're only recording the IP address that we see contacting us. Sure. Uh, so it may, it may be the case that the attacker is actually sitting in, you know, Russia or in, you know, Botswana or wherever, uh, but is, is controlling a botnet in the U.S. or in China or in Indonesia. Um, so, so that's, you know, one, one rub there. Um, but uh, another is that, you know, depending on the, the attack vectors that sort of spin up each quarter, um, I think that often drives some of the changes uh, in, in rankings and percentages that we see. But, but China you know, being number one, that, that has been fairly regular now for a number yeah. of reports. Mm-hmm. And um, is, there, is there any sense to what extent it is governmental or not? I don't get the sense that it's governmental. Um, I mean, especially given the the um, mechanism we're used for collecting the data, I think what a lot of it is likely due to, especially given the the ports that we see being attacked, is that there's a, a tremendous, there's still a tremendous install base of uh, pirated Windows XP systems mm-hmm. uh, in the country. Um, so these are systems that are that are likely, you know, not quite up to date on their patches and their their Windows updates. And, oh, so they're very um, vulnerable. So so what's happening, like very likely, is that these systems are infected, uh, and and with with things that are trying to you know continue to try to spread. And um, you know these are things that you know if you were in a normal enterprise would have been patched seven, eight, ten years ago. Right. Um, and now so I think you have these these you know. It, you know these systems that are there that are just sort of spewing, you know, malicious traffic in essence, uh, and and just continuing to try to to spread their uh, their infections if they can find uh, other systems out there on in the, on the internet with vulnerabilities. So it's like an airport from malware. It has a big landing pad, and then it, basically, it, yeah, I was yeah. I was gonna I was gonna liken it to a uh, daycare center, but I decided not to. <laughs> now, um, so let's get. To, well, when daycare centers, when the kids get home, they're going to turn on cartoons, and one of the cartoons they'll probably watch is Speed Racer, if that's still on TV. And um, so, obviously, one thing that this report gets noticed for is they're reporting who is the Speed Racer. What, who is the the fastest kid on the internet today? Still, South Korea, um, for the most part. Um, you know, we still see South Korea as having the, the strongest uh, average and average peak connection speeds. 
Um, you know, uh, the top uh, three countries or four countries, depending on um, how you're looking at it, off, you know, South Korea, Japan, Hong Kong, um, and then uh, generally Switzerland comes in pretty well up there as well. And um, or Singapore, or and and so this often comes up in the IP debate here in the U.S. And mm-hmm. you know, they they draw distinctions, for example, between. Um, South Korea and the U.S. as to why that they might be number one, and sure. one of the, and one of the distinctions obviously is that um, you know they have greater density, and Absolutely. so that, that and so that alone um, allows them to do this in a way that the United States or other countries you know not as densely populated could do, and and so you're saying that is a significant factor in implementing broadband. No, that, that's absolutely. I mean, so, so I think that's absolutely. In South Korea's case, that has certainly helped them. Um, although it is not the, the be-all, end-all for why they're you know number one. Um, they're also they also had some very strong government support um, in terms of, of setting uh, broadband targets. And um, my recollection is that uh, I believe that when when Korea Telecom was, I think I believe they were spun out of a government entity. But part of the uh, spin-out, one of the, the um, what's the term I'm thinking of? Uh, one of the, the rules uh, governing that spin-out was that they had to deliver um, broadband connectivity of a certain speed to a certain percentage of the population by a, a given date. Wow. Um, and I don't, I don't know what the specific uh, you know, uh, punishment would have been if they hadn't met that. Um, but you know, I think there was definitely... In a number of the countries that we see showing very strong broadband connection speeds, um, you know, dense, population density is, is certainly a factor in some of them. Um, in some of them, government support uh, is uh, certainly a factor, uh, whether it's subsidies or, or just generally, you know, favorable laws. Um, in others, it's, uh, you know, shared facilities where, uh, you know, one company lays fiber, um, but then mm-hmm. if another company comes along and says, hey, I'd like to leverage that fiber to provide competitive broadband services, uh, you know, that's, that's one of the things they do. Okay. Um, you know, I think in the U.S. you've got, uh, I, you, you, all three of those clash ultimately. Right. Um, you know, and ultimately in the U.S. You, you have these broadband companies that are, you know, trying to, that are big and trying to get bigger, you have broadband companies ultimately that are doing other things and that are, that are ultimately controlled by the shareholders who say, you know what, we don't really want you to do the short-term investment in order to get a, you know, an ROI of some indeterminate point in the future. Okay. Um, um, we're going so to take, take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about um, who's the fastest kid on the block in the U.S. Uh, I think we have a new champ, and, uh, but also talk a little bit more about um, broadband and the Akama State of the Union, excuse me, State of the Internet report after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Saw and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. As a business owner, you labor for the love of it, and you don't always have time to worry about your website. With GoDaddy Managed WordPress, you don't have to. Simply create your WordPress site or migrate an existing site. GoDaddy will handle the hosting, setup, backups, and security, and keep your site running at blazing speed so you can share your passion with your customers online. Visit GoDaddy.com and enter code MANAGE to get managed WordPress for $1 a month, plus a free domain. Some limitations apply. See website for details. 
When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services, ppcprofessionals.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics. So you know their SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Bubblefast burst onto the e-commerce scene as a family-owned shipping supply provider back in 1999. The product line has grown, but Mark and Robin still own and operate Bubblefast as a family business. Being sellers themselves has taught them what online sellers need to safely and affordably deliver their products to their customers. Bubblefast is proud to be an active member of the community of online sellers. Mark and Robin sponsor seller meetup groups, share shipping tips and tricks through social media, and always love talking to customers and helping solve shipping challenges. Check out the website at bubblefast.com. Sign up for the Bubble Briefs newsletter to join the Bubble Fast family. Use promo code WMR to get a 5% discount. Or call Mark and Robin at 877-599-7447. Happy shipping from Mark and Robin at Bubble Fast. It's time to saddle up with the Search Cowboys. Search Cowboys will round up search engine marketing, social media, and more. Search Cowboys. On demand anytime inside the International Marketing Channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right, right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back, and we're talking about the State of the Internet Report um, by Alchemy Technologies with David Belson. And uh, we're just talking about who's the speed racer globally. And um, South Korea has um, jumped ahead. And just to give you a sense of how much ahead they are, um, one of their tables is on the uh, percentage of of users of above having connectivity above 15 meg- megabits um, per second. And um, the global average is 11%. And um, the U.S. isn't listening to this table, unfortunately, um, among the top 10. But South Korea has 60%. The next closest is Japan at 32%. So, I mean, it's almost like Secretariat and the Belmont sweepstakes. You know, there's, there's no one else in the screen. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think one of the points I forgot to mention previously, um, you know, in terms of the, the, one of the reasons for that as well, is the affordability uh, of the services. Um, so you have, you know, the government support, you have the, the um, population density, but uh, South Korea in particular has some particularly affordable uh, broadband services. Uh, and you'll see that also in a lot of the European countries that are, you know, on, on the top of the various lists that we have. And so um, has that triggered, have any, have you, are you aware of, so you know, obviously people monitor your report. Do any countries ever see, like, oh, my God, we're number two, we're number ten or whatever, and say we've got to do something about that? I, I do get some of that, uh, where I'll get emails and say, hey, you know, how come we slipped from X to Y, or 
you know, why are we slower than this other country? You know, there's definitely a lot of nationalistic pride that, that we see within the data. Um, you know, but the reality of it is that, you know, they, in general, countries have to look internally and, and figure out, you know, what is their, you know, it may be geopolitical. Um, it may be, you know, how much are they really supporting broadband? You know, how many teeth, you know, not, not how many teeth, but, you know, what kind of teeth do their, um, does their, their national broadband plan have? You know, do they even have a national broadband plan? Uh, so there's a lot of, of those sorts of things where, um, you know, we may rank them at a given, in a given area, um, you know, a given, a given rank relative to their, their other countries in the region. Um, but at the end of the day, a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, their investments and the, the um, broadband marketplace within the country. And just for for listeners, the um, you know, U.S. and the, and that ranking comes seventeenth, um, mm-hmm. you know, so um, quite a ways behind. The um, now one one area we talk about is you know in the U.S. and uh, what do you think in in terms of broadband, the state of broadband? Which is the, the what is the the kind of the the indicia for you that you think is most important? Is it the percent of um, broadband? Um, above a certain speed, or is it just broadband connectivity in general, or is it the maximum speed? Because you have a number of things where, you yeah. know, which one is really tells the tale. Um, I, it, it's probably a mix of them. So I think that you know the average peak connection speed metric um, is a metric that we we say reflects the the capacity in essence of uh, a broadband connection. Right. Um, so, you know, what we're seeing there is that, um, you know, the fastest connections that we're seeing from uh, whether it's the U.S. Or, or, you know, various states, it, it, there's some good connectivity out there. Um, having said that, you know, and then I think the other question is um, probably the percentage of connections above a particular amount. I think historically, uh, you know, we were looking at four megabits as the, uh, right. the broadband threshold. We introduced a new what we call 4K uh, threshold this past quarter, looking at speeds above 15 megabits. Um, you know, I think the, the, the thing to look at really uh, across most of the metrics is the changes over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and for the most part, um, you know, if you look back at the data sets and you look back at, at the graphs you can generate on the State of the Internet page, you, you know, with, with, the, with the exception of you know, a quarterly drop here or there, um, we're seeing strong long-term growth uh, across nearly every geography and every state um, across the key metrics, and that's—I think—that's really the most important part. Um, so, you know, whether it's whether it's the U.S. is at number you know eight or number seventeen, um, you know, obviously we want to be higher, um, right? But uh, at the end of the day, you know, if 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 we've tripled or quadrupled you know broadband adoption or average connection speeds or whatever it is over the last six or seven years, that's I think. Um, that paints the uh, the right picture. You know, it says, "Hey, we're investing. Hey, things are getting better. Hey, right. more uh, users are, are buying those higher speed services, or, or there are more higher speed services becoming available." And actually, um, you we're going to take take a short break in a minute, but um, actually, in two of the biggest areas of gain: um, Hawaii gained twenty six percent, and South Dakota gained fourteen percent, both in the top ten. Neither one's a densely populated state. Yeah, I mean, so I don't know exactly what drove that, but it, it could be the case that there's, um, uh, 
you know, increased some some sort of increased competition in the area um, that that drove one of the major providers to uh, you know put, give their customers an upgrade. Uh, so you know, I used to be getting ten, now I'm getting twenty. Um, or it could be that uh, you know one of the major providers, or one or more of the major providers, um, you know, upgraded their uh, their infrastructure, uh, making it easier to provide customers with with higher speed connections. And um, and so, what what has impressed you? Um, what states have you thought have stood out at, at the U.S. level? Um, I mean, I think Virginia has always been a strong. Um, has always had strong connectivity uh, throughout the, the the history of the report, and I think they're the um, champs in the, the your report this year. Yeah, you know, I think um, you know, I think Rhode Island and Delaware have generally placed within the top ten, but I think there it, it, it's in part probably influenced by the population density. You know, much smaller states and and you know pockets of of uh, population. Um, Massachusetts has ranked pretty high historically. Um, not tremendously surprising. To be honest, um, given the the concentration of uh, schools right. and industry, um, and this is, this, I mean, Massachusetts ultimately was where uh, you know cable uh, broadband started. Um, that was where they were doing the experiments. Fifteen, actually more, um, maybe five, almost nineteen years ago. Um, you know, one of the things that surprised me is that California has historically not been in the top ten across the various metrics. And, you know, no, yeah, that given, is interesting. Given the, the preponderance of high tech out there, right? Well, we also have the higher. geographic scale. You know, we have you know the Central Valley, and we have the deserts, and so yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point. Now, I know you know some in the past in your report, you actually used to have the fastest city, and mm-hmm. sometimes it would, California cities would rank in the top cities, but you know I don't see that this year. And um, but and but it was interesting though, in looking at the fastest city, um, was to see. How many? Um, where the fastest U.S. city was vis-a-vis the fastest in the world, and so whether it was Berkeley or whether it was you know Chapel Hill or, or even you know Cambridge, um, that was number one. They were still one forty-three behind you know you know um, sixty South Korean cities and you know forty right. <laughs> forty Japanese cities, and so right. it kind of that in itself. Just looking at that table gave you a snapshot. I thought of you know the real tale of where. Even when we're excelling, we're still way, way, way behind. Yeah, it, it's definitely at that at that more micro level. Um, you know, there's there's that that's where you can see the real investment, uh, the real local investment in, in broadband. So while there's you know there is some investment being made in the U.S., um, you know, there's there's stronger investment being made uh, in various international cities, especially no. in countries like Japan and South Korea. Now, Akamai's business is, is not to create great reports and, and appear on web radio shows. Um, why don't you tell, <laughs> if you can monetize that, that, that's great. But why don't you tell us a little bit about what Akamai offers? Sure. Uh, so we, we ultimately uh, make the Internet fast, reliable, and secure. Uh, so we, you know, we offer a number of services uh, to customers. So if you have a uh, website, web-based application, um, we can improve the performance of that, uh, leveraging our global platform. Uh, we can improve the scalability. Uh, so, you know, we used to talk about, uh, you know, oh my God, I'm going to be mentioned on Oprah. 
you know, my site's going to crash, um, you know, because you get this, this flood of traffic. Um, so, you know, now it's not so much being mentioned on Oprah, but it's, it's maybe it's, you know, showing up on the front page of Reddit or Hacker News, uh, or you're doing a launch of some sort, or it's some sort of event. Um, so we can help scale sites and applications. Um, we help deliver uh, high-quality video at scale. Uh, so we worked with uh, about 55 international broadcasters to stream uh, World Cup uh, video um, and reached some incredible uh, traffic levels there. Um, and then more, more so over the last few years, we've been focusing on security services. So if you've got a website or application, we can help secure that, um, basically protecting your site, your application from uh, denial of service attacks, uh, and now with the Prolexic acquisition uh, from more of the lower level attacks as well. And you're based in Cambridge. How, how many employees do you guys have? We have, I think, on the order of 5,000 employees wow. uh, around the world. Definitely a major organization. And if people want to find out more about Akamai? Sure. Uh, com. And the report is on there. And check our blog. Um, there's a synopsis of the report. And um, at www.cyberlawradio.wordpress.com. And Dave, I want to thank you for um, being on the show again. And as I, you know, I'm a huge fan, and I look forward to um, talking to you again. And um, great job once again on uh, you know keeping us all informed on the, this important topic of the state of the internet. Thank you very much. Happy to happy to help out. Thank you, David. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll have news of the internet, including um, is OK Cupid okay after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Before you painstakingly create another label or drag yourself to the post office, set a course to ShipStation, your key to e-commerce shipping nirvana. Save time by easily importing orders from wherever you sell, like Amazon, eBay, and over 40 others. Save money with discounted USPS rates and a free USPS account. Automate manual tasks through bulk label and invoice printing, custom shipping rules, and much more. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash WebmasterRadio now. Shipping Nirvana starts here. From Feature Story News. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. 
Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contests and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at InternetMarketingNinjas.com. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back, and um, I want to thank uh, David again for... Um, giving us that important update on the State of the Internet report. And um, if you want, I forgot to ask him on the air, but if you want to follow um, them or in addition to the website, on, the, on Twitter, it's um, Akamai, A-K-A-M-A-I um, underscore um, S-O-I, State of the Internet. And um, so you can tweet them there or follow them on Twitter. Um, and um, I guess um, I, I did warn him that I have a stalker and um, who likes to tweet our guests, and um, you can probably figure out who that is um, just by reading the uh, ridiculous um, tweets. But in any event, um, we're going to cover some news updates, and we have, um, you know, it's funny, just after you have the whole internet come down on Facebook over their ex- announcement and of experimentation, of um, with um, your users in terms of you know displaying happy stories versus sad stories and seeing what the responses were, and it, it brought widespread condemnation. Um, just because you know the issue of experimenting with humans is a very sensitive thing. It's something that goes back to you know Nazi Germany, and then obviously you know obviously people are very con- get very sensitive when you start mentioning making comparisons to the Nazi era but you know that was an element of that era was you know doing experimentations with humans and so in the US um those type of experiments are very highly controlled and um there's you know protocols that are followed and uh it requires you know full knowing consent and that's a very important thing cuz you know, it can have a huge impact on someone and um and so that's what um 
that's what really what led to the huge response to Facebook. And, uh, and so we have, um, here, you know, just after Facebook announced their experiment, um, OKCupid has come out and said, you know what, guys, we were doing the same thing. Um, what they did was with a smaller sample, they altered, um, whether or not the person they they were looking at was someone that they believed was a match or not. And in fact, and sometimes um, they were recommending a match that actually was not a match. Um, and find, just to see whether or not uh, the power of suggestion mattered. And so in essence, they were encouraging people to go on dates that they, they really shouldn't, <laughs> that, they, um, that they believed would be a bad idea. And, um, and so, but people did, that, that they found that did have a, um, a power to, to affect that change. And, um, so but the problem with that is, and they, and they kept saying, well, you know, there's probably consent in the user agreement. You know, the whole point though, is that if you look at the standards, this is from the, the world medical association declaration on ethical principles for medical research involving human subject. Each potential subject must be adequately informed of the aims, methods, sources of funding, any possible conflicts of interest, institutional affiliations of the researcher, the anticipated benefits and potential risk of the study, and discomfort it may entail, post-study provisions, and any other relevant aspects of the study. Um, the potential subject must be informed of the right to refuse to participate in the study or withdraw consent to participate at any time without reprisal. And um, now these, granted, these standards are, are applied usually for government-funded research, and this is a private company. Um, but it's unclear whether these, you know, now that uh, this has been disclosed, I, I suspect um, it makes it more likely that um, the FTC may actually look into the complaint against Facebook to try to set, you know, what is, the, what is adequate notice in this context, and you know, I, I fault um, OKCupid because you know, that is the one site that really you know messing with people um, can it really matters. I mean, nothing is more sensitive, nothing is more you know can have such a big impact on someone's psyche, you know, than their love interests, and and toying with that and considering that an appropriate topic to experiment with. Um, uh, granted, I'm, I'm sure their intentions were to provide a better service, but you know, the, for the people who were the victims of it, you know, you, you toyed with something that is very central to their mental health, and that is wrong. Um, so, I think uh, it should be interesting to see whether the FTC responds and uh, whether they deem it appropriate to you know try to set some prescriptive standard. And um, I think it's something that, that should be looked at. Um, I think, you know, since clearly it is not a one-off instance that people think this is okay. And so maybe we should set some parameters as to what is appropriate. Now, Facebook mentioned that they had consent. Um, but actually, the language that they cited um, came after um, some of the studies had already been done. So I, I don't know what the case is on OKCupid. It's just been recently disclosed. But I think this is something that really uh, merits closer examination. And um, so um, secondly, I want to highlight a um, an anniversary in the news, and that is of the Brave New Films. And uh, it's a group that was founded by Bob Greenwald, and he was a successful commercial filmmaker and uh 10 years ago he launched a film um called outfoxed 
And it was done in connection with moveon.org. And um, he used that whole network. And it was shown in theaters. And it actually really turned the tide on how Fox News was viewed and the legitimacy of it and whether to what extent it, it was biased. And um, that actually even led to uh, a Federal Trade Commission complaint um, that, you know, federal the, the whole slogan, fair and biased, um, fair, fair and balanced, <laughs> what, what was itself uh, a deceptive trade statement. And um, so, and, um, you know, Greenwald came from a background where he had done a number of movies, um, including um, he worked with um, Russell Crowe and Selma Hayek and A Woman of Independent Means, um, The Burning Bed with Sally, Sally um, with Farrah Fawcett. So he's done a, a number of big movies, and uh, but since then, you know, it's been ten years now um, since he's opened, and they've done a series of you know, very interesting political documentary work. Um, and, and now they've just released something on the Koch brothers. So congratulations to Bob. Um, you know, he just operates just down the street in Culver city and they got a really nice little shop there and they've been, um, even doing radio and some other work. So, um, it's been a very great, um, 10 years for them and I want to congratulate them and, um, look forward to seeing their latest work. Now we only have a few minutes left and I want to follow up on some of the, um, other stories we covered and one in you know the whole Iowa investigation that was going on for Fort that is continuing, and um, there are some repercussions from that that we'll be reporting soon. But it, it, the Iowa study, the Iowa um, situation with Sac County and Ben Smith, um, really highlights an important thing that I think the law needs to address today. And um, in the in, in the seventies and eighties. Uh, there was concern that um, powerful interests were using the threat of litigation to silence critics and saying, basically, if you, know, if you say this in a public arena, I will sue you. You, know, you, you Joe, environmental group, um, I will you know, basically force you to spend half of your budget on litigation if you release this report criticizing our cleanup efforts at this site or any, you know, anything of that nature. And so California enacted the first, and now many other states have followed, and there's a call for a federal version, enacted what is known as an anti-SLAP law. And what that is, is um, it's SLAP is an acronym for Strategic Lawsuits Against Public Participation. So if someone um, files a suit that really is designed to punish someone's exercise of a First Amendment right, that the, the SLAP... Um, provides a mechanism where you can challenge the legitimacy of the lawsuit at a very early stage and get it dismissed and get attorney's fees in return as a way to create a disincentive to bring those suits. So now jump forward 20 years. We now have um, the Internet and broadly and widely available, and we have the the proliferation of sites like Report Report. And, and what we're seeing and then what we saw in in Iowa you know, is that that has become a tool for stifling um, discussion, for stifling actually public participation in the criminal justice process itself. And, um, and so that in itself is a problem because um, what happens when you can't get people to testify because they're afraid of having their reputation ruined by very aggressive 
um, sites or defendants who just go to the web and engage in highly mechanized defamation. And um, that's, that's a concern. And, I, I, you know, basically I'm saying what we need now is um, a, a measure to address reverse slap where actually the lawsuit that needs to be brought is, is um, to a lawsuit against those that are punishing you for exercising your right to petition the government, um, exercise your right to um, per- participate as a citizen in, in a criminal or civil proceeding. And, you know, Ben Smith in his um, re- report, the 120-page report that dealt with why, um, you know, explained the basis for issuing the search warrant, um, had a very powerful quote. And he said, no greater threat to our criminal justice system exists than allowing convicted, incarcerated murderers, criminals, and their friends and family to destroy the livelihoods and personal reputation of the people brave enough to testify against them in open court. Now, on Friday, I actually will be in court against my own stalker. And um, she has, over the last year, posted way in excess of 800 um, tweets and um, blog posts. And um, California, unfortunately, has a law called Marcy's Law that allows victims to actually assert themselves and to you know, demand certain protections and also to demand you know, a speedy trial. And um, while they, that does provide me some remedies, um, you know, I think the law needs to be changed to actually make it stronger. Um, I think there needs to be, for example, when you're in, someone is engaged in this massive and mechanized um, acts of um, bludgeoning by online defamation, then what, what you need is a, a remedy. And right now, defamation is actually, um, the, the remedies available for defamation are quite limited. It's actual damages. How do you prove damages um, to your reputation? Because you don't know who hasn't given you business because of not calling you. And, and so I'm proposing, and we'll be specifying this out in more detail, uh, a system where you, you would actually have civil penalties and a recovery of attorney's fees. And that would in, incentivize people to go ahead and prosecute these claims in the civil arena. The secondly, I think, on the criminal justice side, is that someone who's engaging in this in relation to a pending proceeding um, should be subject to um, a requirement of a bond. If you if you started doing this, you must post bond. Um, and if you violate that, the bond can be seized, um, or you know your um, you can be sent into incarceration while the trial is pending. You know these are things we need to do because um, we're seeing this happen. Um, the Iowa case. I mean, there was actually a guy who's um, he's been cyber harassing someone while in prison. I just spoke to someone in another state about some case where the guy has just been going on for years, and each time he gets an injunction, the guy opens up a new site. So there needs to be a remedy to stop this really kind of nuclear, over-the-top, um, crazy uh, mechanized defamation. And, um, and so I think we're going to talk about that more in the future. We're going to have Daniel Citron on the show later in the month, um, I think in August. So um, it should be an interesting discussion, but we only have a few minutes left, and I definitely want to once again um, say happy birthday to Baltimore. And uh, it's a great city if you haven't been. And um, from the Inner Harbor to Camden Yards, um, and then there's a lot of great neighborhoods, Greek Town, the Italian section. And uh, it was 
really brought back to life um, by a, a mayor with vision. And uh, he loved his city, and they, he offered off one parts that were downtown, a um, bunch of row houses for, I think you could buy them for a buck, as long as you could show you had money to renovate it. And they created you know vibrant neighborhoods. And in college, I actually did a comparison study of how Baltimore had renovated themselves compared to D.C. And it, it was just a textbook at, at execution. And you know, they brought a city back. You know, what was once a sea waterfront is now one of the largest tourist attractions on the East Coast. And um, the, the aquarium there is, was amazing. And uh, so it's a fun place to go. And um, so the Orioles in first place, and it's a city that loves its team. And it was fun. When I lived back there, it was fun to go um, just because of the way they had completely, absolutely, and fully adored Cal Ripken. Um, It was nothing like going to Orioles games and seeing kids just react to him. So um, congratulations, Baltimore. Very happy birthday. And um, which, you know, small trivia, the – Former Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, is actually her start in politics came at a very early age because her dad was the mayor of Baltimore. And uh, and she learned at, at his foot and uh, traveling and all the parades and whatnot. So it's given um, birth to a lot of people. And uh, also just off Baltimore is the Fort McHenry, which has our Star Spangled Banner. So um, definitely, if you do get a chance, um, don't pass up. It's a great city. And we only have a minute, minute left, so um, I want to say um, thanks to everyone for helping with this show. We'll be back next week with another edition. Um, catch us on the web. Um, we're at cyberlawradio.wordpress. Uh, you can tweet to us at cyberlawradio, and um, if our stalker in, intends to do so, well, you know, believe me, you'll be ignored. Um, and then finally, um, you know, on the web, cyberlawradio.com, and also webmaster radio um, check us out and we're available also on iHeartRadio as well so thanks again this is Bennett Kelly uh, it's been a great week quarters adjourned we'll join you next week and be safe and have a great weekend this has been a presentation of webmasterradio.fm the world's largest business to business radio and podcast network We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program as well as our complete library of programs on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of webmasterradio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, Our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.